0: Missionary Sam Johnson, would you put your hands together and give him a real welcome this morning? Preach your heart. Amen. Can I preach? Down here? Can you what? Preach down here. You can
1: preach down here if you'd like. Good morning, everybody. Amen. So good to be here this morning, and for you to give me the privilege of coming and saying to all of you, thank you for all that you have done and thank you for what you are doing to help us around the world. Praise God. And to be here with Phil Crest and his wife, when I grow up I want to be just like him. Wow. And to have a voice like his. Huh? What a voice. Wow. Unbelievable. Oh, it's the truth. It's incredible. Ryan picked me up at the airport yesterday afternoon. i got to tell you, folks, for those of you who have not had as much time with him as I did last night, he's a bright bulb. He is, he is, he is a great addition to this community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Beautiful. Nice to meet brilliant people. And to be here this morning with all of you. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to. I don't have his body. I had it once. Thank you. Thank you. God love you. That's of no help. My dear friends, my dear friends, the lictis are here this morning. They told me that they couldn't come. You honored me. Thank you for coming and setting aside this time. God love you. Friends for the last hundred years, and they're here visiting in the city with their son and his wife. Thank you for coming. I come to you this morning. I come to you this morning. With a very somber message. I'd like to take out my hanky and walk back and forth and shout and scream and holler and spit and all kinds of stuff. And have a great Pentecostal service. That's not what God has laid upon my heart for this morning. And for the setting for what the Holy Spirit has given to me is found in your Bible... Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter, beginning to read at verse 1. If you have your iPad or your iPhone or some other device of the enemy, read with me, please. Luke's Gospel, the 11th chapter, beginning at verse 1. Now it came to pass... That is, he, Jesus, was praying in a certain place when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. So Jesus said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, from the evil one. And then Jesus said to them, Which of you shall have a friend? And go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, Do not trouble me, the door is now shut. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. The Lord's Prayer. Some call it the Disciples' Prayer. In my home, when we grew up and we prayed, and we prayed, my family you really wanted to pray, you knelt. We knelt and we prayed at the close of every prayer. We always recited together as a family the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And after Jesus had shared with them the model prayer, then he shared with them a parable that we find in verse 5. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And here's what Jesus said. A man received unexpected guests and he said it was midnight. He welcomed them into the house, went into the kitchen to get them something to eat and discovered that he had nothing at all. So he said, sit down, watch a little TV, I'll turn it on. And then he went to the neighbor, knocked on the door and said, Jack, I just received some unexpected guests. Please loan me three loaves of bread. And Jack from within said, Don't trouble me. Don't bother me. My kids are with me in bed. Don't you understand? It's the midnight hour. I'm not going to get up. But Jesus, as he told the parable, said that because of the persistence, not because he was his friend, but because of his persistence, he arose and gave him the three loaves. And there's a striking parallel with all of that this morning, ladies and gentlemen, in our world today that I want to share with you this morning. General Omar Bradley, World War II hero, spoke to a crowd in Boston in 1948. And His speech is remarkably appropriate for the violent and chaotic world in which we live today for this is what he said. The world has achieved brilliance without wisdom, power without conscience. Ours is a world of nuclear midgets, I'm sorry, nuclear giants and ethical midgets. We know more about war than we do about peace. For I would say to all of us this morning, and I say it somberly, I say it with a tear in my voice and a sob in my heart, it's the midnight hour. The world in which you and I live this morning, ladies and gentlemen, is not the world, sir, that you and I knew 30 years ago, 20 years ago. It's not the world you and I knew, sir, 10 years ago, for it's the midnight hour which we live it's the midnight hour morally the swiftness with which the moral barriers have fallen is stunning the barbarians are in the city the doors have been ripped off of the hinges and the ancient landmarks have been removed one century ago the French scientist Pierre Berchut wrote in his diary the day will come will man will not only split the atom?" but he'll harness the energy of the sun. And in that day, he said, God, with his long white beard, will come down to the earth and say, Gentlemen, it's closing time. It's closing time. I don't know about the long white beard, but I am sure that man has split the atom, and we have harnessed the sun. We come a long ways down the road towards closing time, and the signs are everywhere. It's a moral midnight in which we live. If I were to go to you this afternoon with you this afternoon to your home, no doubt I'd find the television in the living room, maybe one in the bedroom, one in the kitchen, of course, because you can't cook without watching Fox News Fair and Balanced. (laughs) And this purveyor of news and entertainment. Has now so polluted our homes, ladies and gentlemen, that I'm ashamed to walk into most living rooms of Christians in America. The funny programs are no longer funny, they're filthy. And I think it's time, ladies and gentlemen, that we call it what it is it's the purveyor of evil, it's the devil himself who has come into our homes and he's crept into our living rooms and our bedrooms with all of the garbage that Hollywood can give to us. The signs are everywhere. We, we applauded when Al Gore gave to us the internet. <laughs> what a genius! Now we have to watch, look over the shoulders of our kids to see what they're looking at. It's a sign of the times, ladies and gentlemen. But we have pastors sitting in their studies with the lights down, watching pornography that's destroying the pulpits of America. And they're not the only ones. Morally today, it's the midnight hour. Schools and universities are no longer a safe place to send our kids. This week, this week, I read that in the Virginia school right next to Washington, D.C., the school board has decided that they are going to teach that your child could be a boy or a girl. they're not even sure which one it is. Well, they've already decided that because they took the names off the bathroom doors. It's not men and women. You go wherever you want to go. We know that. We recognize that. But we haven't stopped that. And morally in our world today, in your city, in my city, it's the midnight hour. We are debating now in the Supreme Court. The decision will come down next month about marriage between a man and a woman. Or a man and a man. Or a woman and a woman. Or a woman. And we can't figure it out. God figured it out a long time ago, ladies and gentlemen. And we're afraid today in our social circles to even talk about it. For if you don't stand up, ladies and gentlemen, they'll stand up and they have an agenda and they will run over you and they're running over us with their agenda. For morally in our world today, it's the midnight hour. I love newspapers. I clip them all the time. Teens say drug use at schools is on the rise. Teenagers say drug problems at schools are getting worse, and parents express doubts about ever making schools drug free, a new school study says. The percentage of teens who say they attend high schools with drug problems has increased 44% to 61%. Can we be honest this morning and admit that we're in trouble, and it's the midnight hour in which we live? A middle school in Maine, conservative Maine, a middle school, a middle school, my grandkids are in middle school, has reignited the debate by deciding this week to provide prescription birth control in a middle school. At a packed meeting Wednesday, King got approval from Portland School Committee to dispense at its health center prescription birth control that includes the pill, the patch, and the implants. I'm not even sure I fully understand all that. How far have we fallen? Listen to this. This is incredible. Some of you never knew this. But Harvard University, in 1636 was established to train young men for the ministry. For the ministry. One of the rules then at Harvard was, let every student be plainly instructed that the main end of his life and studies is to know God and Jesus Christ, which is eternal life. But the Supreme Court in 1980 ruled that we can no longer hang the... the, 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 the Ten Commandments on the Kentucky walls. Because if we were to do that, it may induce the children to read and to meditate upon and perhaps to venerate and to obey the commandments. And we wouldn't want them to do that. Someone said, a generation that fails to read the signs of the times may be faced to read the writing on the wall. And Ezekiel wrote, so I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me, on behalf of the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found no one. It is midnight, ladies and gentlemen, in our world, morally, and let's face it. Socially, family systems are dissolving. Five million child molesters in the United States of America today. The new social services in Washington, D.C. Will become the nation's first jurisdiction to recruit homosexuals, to recruit homosexuals to adopt children. Socially, we're in trouble. Olympia, Washington Woman Takes Life with Dignity. It's the headlines. Why? Because Washington now has given to their constituents a law that goes like this. Death with dignity law. And she committed suicide by taking barbiturates legally. Death with dignity. John Dewey, who founded Columbia University, gave to us progressive education, influenced generations of teachers, said, there is no God and there is no soul. Hence, there is no need for the props of a traditional religion. With dogma and creed excluded, there is no room for fixed moral law and natural law. Teddy Roosevelt said, to educate a man in mind, not in morals, is to educate a menace to society. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a generation of menaces. And they're in your schools. And they're teaching your kids and your grandkids. My grandkids! The mother of a New York City public school child, exasperated by all that was going on, she said if this is not the bottom then how deep does this, does this pit go that's the world in which we live remember the 17 girls in massachusetts high school who made a pact to become pregnant at the same time without shame without shame there's no shame anymore There's no shame. There's no shame in how we dress. There's no shame in what we say. There's no shame in in the, in the verbiage that we use. There's no shame anymore. There's no shame at all, even in blowing up footballs. It's the midnight hour socially. Recent magazines cited the seven deadly sins of modern society, and I give them to you quickly. Number one, politics without principle. Politics without principle. Hang on to your pocketbook, ladies and gentlemen, because we're in for quite a ride in the next few months as we elect the president, new president of the United States of America. And God help us all. Politics without principle. Number two, pleasure without conscience. Number three, knowledge without character. Number four, wealth without work. Wealth without work. We have millions more on food stamps today than we did four years ago, and they're not looking for a job. Wealth without work. They're entitled to it. It's an entitled society. They're entitled to it. You owe it to me. They tell us. Number five, business without morality. Six, science without humanity. Seven, worship without sacrifice. We want to come to church, ladies and gentlemen, across America. We want to have a nice little service that lasts about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. Don't bother me by going too long. I don't want any altar calls. I don't want any raising of hands. I just want a nice service. We're going to sing a couple of songs. We'll dance a little bit. And I want the, server, I want the preacher to tell me five ways how to overcome depression and I want to go out of here. Because morally and socially, it's the midnight hour. Economically? Oh yeah. I talked with a friend of mine last week who has a Chevrolet dealership in a town of 1,500 people in North Dakota. He said, today it's easier for me to sell a $75,000 pickup than it is a $25,000 car because, as General Motors told us several years ago, the, the middle class is going to disappear. He said, I can't find the people to to sell my $25,000 pickup to. Because they don't exist. But the $75,000 guys, they're everywhere. Because the rich have become richer and the poor become poor. I'm not telling you something, ladies and gentlemen, that's not new. I'm just reminding you that we are in big trouble today. And the knock comes to all of us. It's the midnight hour. The knock comes politically oh yeah oh yeah thank God that your pastor is a student of prophecy and he and he brings to you the very latest but there's not many prophetic charts left, ladies and gentlemen. There's not many messages in, anymore about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ and the, and, the, and the soon coming of Armageddon. But if you will just simply read your newspapers and find out what's happening in Saudi Arabia, bombing Yemen today, and what's happening in Iran, you'll understand the scriptures that tells us that this is all going to end up in that part of the world where we're going to have one huge fireball as the world is destroyed, ladies and gentlemen. It's in your book! politically Billy Graham's daughter was interviewed recently on the early show and you've got to love these interviewers especially when they have a godly person in front of them a Calamity had just hit America and the interviewer asked how could God let something like this happen? Because you have got to remember it's all God's fault How could God let this happen? And Billy Graham's daughter said, I believe that God is deeply saddened by this, just as we are. But for years we've been telling God to get out of our schools, to get out of our government, and to get out of our lives. And being the gentleman that he is, I believe that he is calmly backed out. How can we expect God to give us his blessing and his protection if we demand that he leave us alone? There is no one in America today, ladies and gentlemen, no one in America that we honor more than our beloved Billy Graham. And he put a pen to this prayer and he left it for all of us, and this is what he wrote Woe to those who call evil good. But that is exactly what we have done. We have lost our spiritual equilibrium and reversed our values. We have exploited the poor and we called it the lottery. I heard a man on television last week at George Washington University talking about the lottery. I didn't fully understand what he was talking about. The lottery. We rewarded laziness and called it welfare. We've killed our unborn and we call it Choice we shot abortions and we call it justifiable. We've neglected to discipline our children and we call it building self-esteem. We've abused power and we call it politics. We've coveted our neighbor's possessions and we call it ambition. We have polluted the air with profanity and pornography and called it freedom of expression. We've ridiculed the time-honored values of our forefathers and called it enlightenment. Search us, O God, and know our hearts today. Cleanse us from every sin and set us free. Amen spiritually it's the midnight hour thank god for the building that you are building to serve your community in in a better way i have a dear friend who pastors a church they owe 23 million dollars buildings we have facilities we have we got gymnasiums, we got basketball teams, and football teams, and volleyball teams, and baseball teams. We've got it all, ladies and gentlemen. But I asked this morning, where is the power of God Amen. that change lives, that a sick man is healed, that a marriage comes back together, that kids are taken off of drugs by the power of Jesus Christ? And that's what the church has, and we must never lose that. For the cry comes to us this morning, for three loaves now you must not understand misunderstand what jesus is saying here he's talking about the man who came at the midnight hour and knocked on the door and the man on the inside being his friend would not get up what is jesus saying jesus is saying that's the church that's the church he's saying we the church of the lord jesus christ on the inside and 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 our neighbors on the outside are knocking and they're asking for three loaves of bread that's what they're coming and that's what they're asking of us ladies and gentlemen let's not miss the point of the parable this morning for there are those who will say yeah but they don't really they're not really knocking and they're not really asking but i would say to you that i hear a mute cry coming from the unreached and the untouched and they're asking us the church of the lord jesus Jesus Christ, the only answer left, she sang about it this morning. We possess these three loaves. Oh, I could try this morning to be homiletical and I'll leave that to your Pastor. I could try to be very knowledgeable and I could leave that to the theologians. I could tell you that the three loaves this morning represent preaching and teaching and healing. I could tell you about the threefold witness man's mans, uh, salvation, the witness of the blood and the witness of the spirit and the witness of of the word and water. I could tell you that three loaves are the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But I want to tell you what I understand and that is that the three loaves that we have have this morning are just simply faith hope and love that's the three loaves that we have and we have what the world wants and we have what the world is begging for and we must arise and give to the world Let's not complicate this thing this morning, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not wrap our faith up in doxology and hermeneutics and homiletics and all kinds of baptism and catechisms. It's just simply this, that you're lost until you're found. You're blind until you see. You're on your way to hell, sir, until you turn around and you're on your way to heaven. It's just simply this, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the message. And that's the three loaves that we have. Skip the cream cheese. (laughs) And that's why, ladies and gentlemen, you and I have been doing what is important around the world. And that's to make disciples. That they would go and they would teach others. Your pastor said it in the first service this morning that this fellowship of ours called the Assemblies of God. Some people where I go, some pastors where I go, Pastor Phil, they tell me, "Don't please don't mention the Assemblies of God in our church because not everybody, we don't want to, we don't want I'm not ashamed this morning, ladies and gentlemen, to say that this church belonged to the Assemblies of God and that the Assemblies of God has built more Bible schools around the world than anybody else. I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I'm just saying it as a matter of fact. And because of it, I can tell you that today around the world, there are 65 million Assemblies of God believers who are today there than they weren't yesterday. Because our missionaries have gone and they have established Bible schools. Training centers, don't get don't get don't get confused in all of the, the size and the terms. no, it's just simply there's a place under a bush under a tree, in a, in a fine facility where we can teach them the three loaves: faith, hope and love. And that's what you've been helping me to do. Joyce and I were privileged to go to Portugal in 1974. And there we bought 30 acres in the edge of the city of Lisbon. And we built 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 a magnificent Bible school. And it's gorgeous. It's absolutely fabulous. It's wonderful. But that's not what's important. What's important is that today there are thousands of young men and women who've gone to that Bible school. And they're someplace preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. That's what this thing is all about. And that's a rising giving to the hungry world. That which the world is asking for. Your pastor came with me to Romania. Romania, where we bought five acres in the heart of the city of Bucharest. And there we built and we built and we established a magnificent Bible school in Bucharest, Romania. And today, because your pastor came and dedicated that Bible school, and they teach the good news of Jesus Christ and train disciples, today there's over 2,000 Pentecostal churches in the country of Romania. Praise God. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, we say all of that. Not for any other reason, but you have helped us to make it possible, not only in Romania, but also in Georgia, in Georgia. Can I just, can I just, can I, let me, thank you, but Georgia, no, 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 this is not a ladder, Georgia, this is the Republic of Georgia, right next to Russia. Remember when George Bush was the President Putin, the, the, the guy over in Russia, Putin, and when you say his name, it just says everything, Putin. <laughs> no it's the truth I mean the poor guy they, they could have given him, you know like Phil or Sam but it's Putin and uh, he went he, he made a land grab in Georgia never gave it back did the same thing in a crane he's not giving it back and in Georgia I was invited after the fall of communism in 1989 to go in there with two other pastors from America to see if we could help them because the missionary knew that he could not do it by himself. He needed to gather together the finest, the brightest, and teach them and train them and help them to go out and start churches and plant the good news of Jesus Christ. And so he laid before us a plan that would cost three-quarter of a million dollars to build this Bible school. And I sucked in my breath, and while I was sucking in my breath at the cost of that Bible school, the guy from Oklahoma, the pastor from Oklahoma, raised his hand and he said, I'll give the first quarter of a million dollars. Wow! The pastor from Indiana was not going to be outdone by the guy from Georgia, from Oklahoma. He said, I'll give the second quarter of a million dollars. And I said to myself, I got to find Phil Christ. I'm in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I found him, and there you have it. Ha ha ha. Hallelujah. A beautiful facility full of young men and women and today listen to me today in the republic of georgia there's over two thousand brand new pentecostal places of worship for the glory of the lord jesus christ because we possess these three loaves that's what i'm talking about this morning we've done that in albania 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 i gotta i gotta tell you in albania from the ground up we built this fantastic facility in albania in the midst of the muslim people now listen to me this morning Listen, listen to me God, up in heaven, is not going like this when he hears about ISIS. He's not up there. He sees the people half covered in. He's not, oh them. oh my. No, 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 no. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And there's not a faith, there's not a religion, there's not a government, there's none that will not bow for every knee will bow. Every knee will bow. Hallelujah. And I've got to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, because of our Bible school in Albania, the good news of Jesus Christ is being spread across that area for the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you were just there. It's full of beautiful young men and women dedicated to reaching the Muslim community. I have a son, my younger son, lives in Djibouti, a little country just across from Yemen. I walked down the street with him to buy some but to buy some. We went down the street together. <laughs> Croissants or something. And I said I said I said son I said son I was talking about the, I was talking about the Christians in Egypt. He said, shh, shh, shh. It's that kind of a world in which he lives. Publicly he can't talk about Jesus. But quietly He's sharing the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Because Jesus said, Every tongue, shall he, shall, yes. every, tongue every eye shall... Every. It's in the book. And it's happening today, ladies and gentlemen, across the Muslim world. I could tell you a lot about that because I've been working deeply in the country of Tanzania. Tanzania, East Africa, where 35% of that country of 65, of 46 million people, 35% of them are Muslim people. But in that country today, we're planting 10,000 brand new churches in 10 years. And they're doing it in the Muslim communities, brothers and sisters. You say, how can it be done? I'll tell you how. Because they got up with the three loaves and they began to feed the hungry world. Hallelujah. Siberia. Out of the Bible school in Siberia, a thousand new Pentecostal churches were birthed. After we'd helped to build Bible schools across Western Europe and Eastern Europe and wherever we'd gone, we'd, we saw that one was accomplished. We turned our attention to Africa, that continent of 54 countries, and now we've been able to help in over 15 countries. But I, went to, I went to Ethiopia, I went to Ethiopia, went to Ethiopia. I saw the poverty. The average wage in Ethiopia is $120 a year. The gospel is not relegated To the economic standard of the country, you gotta understand that if that was the case, all of Paris would love Jesus. It's not because we're rich, we're poor, it's because of the hunger within the breast of every man and woman to find the three loaves. And we've been helping him to do that. And now in the country of Ethiopia, ladies and gentlemen, because of the establishment of the Bible school and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, not just because of the Bible school, but because of the work of what's been happening, there are over 10 million Pentecostals in Ethiopia today. Let me try it on this side. Ten million Pentecostals. Hallelujah. For the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is that it's midnight in our world. Yes. Yes. I'm facing the facts with you. Yes. It's a somber message. Yes. But we possess the answer. Hallelujah. And let's rise and give to a hungry world. The three loaves. And so we got involved in Malawi. This morning in Malawi, a country of 12 million people, listen to me, this morning in Malawi, nearly 10% of the entire population was in an Assembly of God church. Does that make them righteous? No. It just makes them a good statistic for me. Praise God. (laughs) Nigeria. 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 Nigeria, the most populous country in all of Africa, with 130 million people. Nigeria, where at one time we had a hundred missionaries. Nigeria, where today we have one half of a missionary, part-time. But those missionaries left behind 10 Bible schools that today are full of 3,000 eager Bible school students taught by Nigerians, financed by Nigerians in a country where the average wage is a dollar a day. But that doesn't keep them from sending their students and from the students for going. And today in Nigeria, ladies and gentlemen, there are 30 million Pentecostal believers to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because somebody arose and they fed them the three loaves. That's what we're talking about today. Nigeria and in Botswana and in Mozambique and Liberia where we built the Bible school just before the Ebola crisis that Charles Taylor had burned down and destroyed. We went and we rebuilt it completely. And now today with the Ebola crisis past, it's full of Bible school students reaching the people for the good news of Jesus Christ. And in Tanzania where I mentioned that they're starting 10,000 new churches in 10 years and we're finishing this incredible Men's dormitory in our central campus that will house 225 men. Praise God. Asia, we turned our attention also to Asia and helped in Bangladesh. That nation of millions and millions of people, Muslim people, without any hope until they heard about Jesus Christ. Bangladesh, Nepal. Look at this picture, Nepal. That's our Bible school building in Nepal. In Kathmandu, Nepal. Unless you have not lived in the world recently, you know that there was a horrible earthquake in Nepal several weeks ago, followed by another earthquake that was devastating and killing more people and destroying more homes but that bible school was built ladies and gentlemen by the general superintendent of the assemblies of god of nepal who taught architecture for 25 years at the university of nepal where he learned that if you would build on a floating foundation when the earthquake earthquake came it would float like this and that's exactly what happened no damage at all ladies and gentlemen praise god Full of Bible school students for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Did some of our churches suffer damage? Yes they did. Did some of our people lose their lives? Yes they did. But we thank God that today the Assemblies of God has sent hundreds of thousands of dollars in to feed and clothe and help the people in Nepal and to say to those who are desperate we have three loaves. We have this faith, this hope, and this love and it's tangible. Praise God. You can eat it. You can taste it in this situation. And we're proud to be a part of this great fellowship of ours. Cambodia. I would be wrong if I didn't mention to you India, where we've helped our beloved sister Haldabontain, on four and a half acres of land, erect this incredible facility, Four, 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 four levels full of brilliant Indian Bible School students and it's now valued at $6 million. (laughs) I thought that was good. Let me return for Cambodia and we're all going to go to lunch. Cambodia, you had on this platform two years ago one of the greatest heroes of your life and mine, Darth Lee. Darth Lee, when he was seven years of age, living peacefully with his mom and dad in Phnom Penh, was told by the radio, get out of the city quickly. The Khmer Rouge had come into Phnom Penh in Cambodia, and they drove the people out of that city of a million people in the countryside. Once they got them in the countryside, they divided them all up, and he was put in the camp with a thousand boys. Four years later when Vietnam came in and drove the Khmer Rouge out of Cambodia there were only 50 boys alive. He was one of 50. Though he was emaciated and so weak he could hardly walk he made his way to Thailand walking scores and scores and scores of miles through the night and he got to Thailand and the United Nations was there waiting for him and they got him on a plane and sent him to St. Paul Minnesota and by divine order, he ended up in an Assembly of God woman's home in St. Paul. She took him to an Assembly of God church just like this and the preacher said, here, I've got a loaf of bread for you. And there Darth Lee found Jesus Christ at the age of 14. Dedicated his life to God, went to North Central University, married the only girl in the school from Cambodia, and he and his wife, Tita, went back to Cambodia 19 years ago. And I was there at Christmas time, with Brad Rosenberg, a friend of your pastor. I was there at Christmas time, and it was a big deal. They were just getting ready to give all the kids Christmas presents at the floating school because he has three thousand children in his schools. This school is a school of two hundred and fifty. It's out on the largest lake of all of southeastern Asia. The land was taken away from the people. There's no place else for them to go but out on a barge, and there they live. They eat there, they fish there, they swim there, they bathe there, they do everything there. And there was no hope until Dorothy came along 12 years ago and started a school for the children on that lake and now 250 kids are in the school learning their three R's and that Jesus Christ loves them. Watch, watch the video. Watch the video.
2: We're here with our great friend and hero, Darth Lai, who has given his life to come back and reach the country of Cambodia. This is a floating village in Cambodia on this massive lake where the government basically took the land from the people and then just put them out on barges out in the middle of the water. There was no schools, nothing for these uh, children to be able to go to, and God gave Darth this incredible yes. vision. And tell us a little bit about that, Darth. Well,
3: thank you, Brad, and thank you, Prior One Family. For your efforts for the kingdom of God. Uh, 12 years ago, the people lived just surviving by catching and trapping fish out of the, of the lake, and they have no medical uh, facility, no clinics, no school. And so 12 years ago, the Lord put upon our heart to come and start the school here.
2: Today we got to have Christmas with 250 of the children that are on these floating schools. There you go buddy, there you go buddy. You get a boy one, there you go. Six, seven, eight year old kids and these are their school buses right here. Each kid or a couple kids from a different floating house or little community hops in one of these canoes and they paddle themselves to school and back home after it's absolutely amazing.
3: And right now, we have 250 children going to school to learn how to read and write, but more importantly, to hear the love of the Lord for them and, and change their lives. And through that, they are bringing the message of, of salvation to their family. And the products of that is these two, uh, two girls. They are going to college right now, and they're staying at our Dream Center, but they were from this uh, village, and her name is, tell them your name.
2: Somali is my name.
3: Her name is Somali. My
2: name is Seven.
3: Her name is Sabin, and both of them right now, they love the Lord, and God has touched and changed their lives, and, and they want to go for And share the message of hope and salvation to their family members and the people of Cambodia as a whole. And so thank you for your prayer and your partnership of allowing us to do what the Lord has put upon our heart to do in the country of Cambodia.
1: Is that incredible or what? I was there last week. Went back to the school again. So inspiring. And then I got in the car with Darth, and we drove two hours the other way because he just has purchased a couple of acres of a rice paddy. They filled the rice paddy with 3,000 truckloads of dirt. Built a wall all the way around it. And tomorrow, this is what they're going to start building. There it is. <laughs> a brand new school, K-6, through six, for 250 children in that school who have never had an opportunity to hear about faith, hope, and love. I asked Darth this will be your school right yeah I'll hire the teachers they'll all be born-again teachers I'll buy every one of the student a uniform we will feed them once a day we go to school 11 and a half months a year and every day we're gonna tell them about Jesus Christ I said how much would it cost to support one child for one year and he said I can do it for just $90 and I said I'm going to be with Pastor Christ. (laughs) maybe there's some people who'd like to write a check for $90 and say I want to support one of those children in that brand new school for 11 and a half months a year They'll hear about faith, hope, and love. For the point of the parable must never be missed, ladies and gentlemen. Though you and I give or do not give, though we do not go or go, though we do not participate or participate, the knocking will continue. Though he would not arise and give, yet because of his persistence of the man on the outside, He got up and gave. And I'm telling you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, that the world on the outside of Shelby Township is knocking. They're not asking for your 401K. They're not asking for your automobile. They're not asking for your home or for your sailboat. They're asking, please tell me, how can I find peace for my soul? Will you join me this morning in arising and giving to a hungry world? Thank you this morning Lord Jesus once again for the privilege I've had to come to this church and to share with these incredible people those sitting in the balcony and here on the main floor those in the other two services thank you God for what you're doing through this pastor and his wife and his staff and because of this church they've heard the knocking and they got up and they have giving to a hungry world. And I pray that you will help us to never get tired of that, never to become weary in well-doing, but we would arise one more time today and give to a hungry world, in Jesus' name.
0: The midnight hour, the midnight hour. I don't know about you, but that word so gripped me and not from the aspect necessarily of our world getting so worse the moral meltdown the spiritual bankruptcy but the midnight hour that the time is short for what we can do for Jesus Christ Jesus said work while it is yet day for the night cometh when no man can work. What a privilege that Sam Johnson has outlined for us. What a privilege it is to be able to give to world missions. What a privilege it is to represent Jesus Christ to be his hand extended to be his mouthpiece to put legs to feet to his mission What a privilege it is that the Lord has blessed us so that we can be a blessing, so that we in turn can receive His commendation. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I don't know about you, but on that day of days when the rewards are being passed out, on that day of days when the need again will be outlined and I will be asked, what did you do for my lost world? What did you do for my lost children? I don't know about you, I don't want to hang my head low and say but, but, but and give excuses. I hope on that day of days That I'll be able to say, I took advantage of the privilege, the open door that you gave me. That Lord, as the world was knocking at the midnight hour, I opened the door. I responded so that they could be provided faith, hope, and love.